Hi, dear sister. As a family, one of the joys in our home is our weekly Sunday evening Bible devotions, where we watch a children's message from the Bible and talk about its application. The kids get to explore the understanding of the word, and me and my husband serve as the preacher and pastor and whatnot, right? <laughs> but once in a while, we spend more time redirecting behavior. For example, dishing out instructions like pay attention and be quiet and are you listening? <laughs> when I get into my authoritarian mom mode, I ask them to do extra Bible reading and I hide iPads just to kind of help with this behavior problem. For the most part, my kids are great. I am so blessed with kids that are obedient and they listen and all that. Lately, my eldest child, my daughter, has been exploring the book of Genesis and reading chapter by chapter daily and writing a summary uh, report and observation report. And literally the day I sat down to write this episode, um, she walked into my, my office and was holding her chapter summary. And so, of course, I asked, hey, hey are you ready to read your chapter summary? Because she has to also learn how to read a little bit. Um, her reading skills and, you know, talking in front of uh, public and all that stuff. So she's also practicing that. She informed me that it was chapters seven, eight, and nine of Genesis. And I asked, why did you combine all the chapters together? And her response, wait for it, because I felt like it. Now, if you have been on this podcast journey with me for a while, you probably have some insight into my life, right? And guess what I said next? I said, you felt like it? Huh. I wonder how many things I have felt like doing or not doing today that I either did or did not do. That was all I said. So she stared at me with a smirk that said, I get it, mommy. I get it. <laughs> Emotions, feelings, huh. Mm. What do you do with them? when they are constantly running through you and making you feel what you feel. Mm -hmm. Today's episode is part five of the Heart Transformation series. And we are talking and taking a deep dive into the flood of emotions as practiced with the guidance of the Holy Spirit instead of by our own volition and helping us to see what we can do when these emotions flood our being, you know? And then, you know, sometimes we forget about this friend. We forget about this friend and we just act on our own thoughts and act on our own feelings and so on and so forth. So this friend that I'm talking about, you may know who he is. So I want you to come on in and let's swim as we figure out how to navigate these baggages of emotions we got. All right, let's go. <laughs> company, formerly I Am Free Woman Ministries, and I want to welcome you. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this amazing entity of what whatever God is creating it to be, and I get to be on this journey, and you get to be on this journey with me. So thank you for listening, thank you for watching, and welcome. What I aim to do with this podcast and the wider ministry of Godly Woman and Company is to help you heal and transform your heart as you choose to live free in Christ every day, okay? As you choose to honor God, as you choose to serve others, and obviously as you choose to live free in Christ every day. I believe healing is our choice. Truly, I believe this because I have been down this path. And once we embrace that process of healing, you and I can truly say what? Healed people heal people. I want to come to you today with a message 
that is filled with truth, that is filled with love, that is filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's my journey. And that's the journey that you get to be on with me anytime you tune into this podcast. And so I want to say welcome and thank you for being viewers to Godly Woman and Company and wherever you can experience biblical well-being, coaching, discipleship, and community with God, grit, and good grace, this is where it's at, okay? You can find more about me at chiefjoyactivator.com and also the organization Godly Woman and Company Ministries at godlywomanandcompany.org, Okay. I want to give a huge shout out to all our amazing friends to the ministry, friends to the podcast, and sisters, our dear sisters, for subscribing to YouTube and following and sending encouraging messages to me and to everyone here and there. I really, really appreciate it. Sometimes when I am neck deep in the work of ministry, in the work of podcasting, in the work of writing, I receive a pick-me-up, and recently I received a message from someone on social media that brightened my whole day. She said, and I quote, I always love your posts. Just wanted to let you know. Mm, I always love your posts. Just wanted to let you know. You know, sometimes when you're doing this work, um, you wonder who is reading, who is watching, who's listening, right? Who's liking, who's sharing, all that stuff. But I have learned that the power of one is truly powerful. And so when I get messages from viewers or listeners like this, it just that it's just that added, you know, Jesus sprinkle reminder that I need to continue to do the work, right? So just wanted to let you know, and that's what she said. Her words surprised me. I was not expecting that when I woke up in the morning, but her words surprised me and warmed my heart at the same time. And the emotion there was joy and happiness. And it was probably mostly happiness because it was in the moment. So yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for supporting Godly Woman and Company. And Y'all will come to find out I like to talk with my hands. So excuse me, I'll try to minimize that. But, you know, hey, that's that's the salt. That's the flavoring that I bring to this. Uh, and I love it. But thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So let's just jump right into our teaching for today. And um, let's get right into it. All right. So. We have been on this journey of heart transformation for a while now, focusing on allowing Jesus to transform our hearts instead of humans, instead of behavior modification and all that, um, transform us into his likeness, into his image as holy, righteous, obedient disciples, moving from follower to believer to disciple, that kind of thing. A big part of this journey is having a healthy whole mind of Christ. And we explored this mind in episode 62. We have looked at sin and the anatomy of heart itself. Today, we get to look at the other part of the heart that may sometimes, if not often, derail us and put us in much trouble. Oof. So I am talking about emotions, our emotional heart. And this is the one that most of the time, next to the mind, it's talked about the most when we are talking about the heart of man, you know, but it's, it's everything. It's everything about you. And you know, that's the work that I have been commissioned to do is helping you see your heart, helping you transform your heart, helping you inch closer to holiness and righteousness from a place that is the deepest part of you and not just behavior modification. But here's the deal. You know, I always come with a twist, right? <laughs> and so I will not be simply talking about emotions on this episode. Let's just talk about emotions. No, I have a few uh, podcast episodes on that. But rather, the one friend that I'm going to be talking about is the Holy Spirit, who can help us navigate our emotions very well. <sighs> Spirit-led life. Wellspring life, y'all, is where we are parking today. Spirit-led life to manage your emotions and to navigate and navigate them well. I have two episodes already aired 
that talks about emotions, episode seven and episode 11. In episode seven, I share insights about our feelings and emotions. And in episode 11, I talk about the three truths of being spirit-led or living from your nurture versus nature. So if you want a heart like Jesus, you need a dependable support system that can nurture your spirit and not just your body and soul. I am taking you on a journey and I will be talking about being in partnership with the Holy Spirit of God and experiencing his fruits. Okay, so let's go. I want us to dive into the flow of the nurtured emotional heart by first defining some terms. We have to define some terms and definitions. So the first word that I want to define and talk about is emotion, a natural instinctive state of mind deriving from one's circumstances, mood or relationships with others. So in my emotional state, I am all natural, right? Acting from my natural human tendencies and in the previous episode, episode 62, I discuss all about this natural mind that we have and how it helps or hurts us. For example, when you're happy, that is the natural state of the happenings and circumstances around you and vice versa, some of the other ones too. The next word will be feelings, right? My daughter mentioned, because I don't feel like it. I don't feel like it. I don't feel like it. Everybody is saying, I don't feel, I don't feel, I don't feel. Ooh, okay. Feelings, an emotional state or reaction. Notice it didn't say response, right? I believe reaction is very, you know, in the moment. And response is you actually think about it and then you present yourself. In the previous definition of emotion, happiness is the feeling which sits within the emotion, the big emotion joy. So according to psychologists, there are six basic emotions from which a myriad of feelings are derived from. So joy is a big one. And from joy, you have feelings, you have, you have happiness, excitement, all that stuff. The same thing with sadness, where you have depression and so on and so forth. And so the other big one will be surprise, you know, and then we have anger, we have love and we have fear. So those are the six big emotions. And out of that, we have a myriad of feelings. Another term that I want to uh, describe here is emotion regulation. This is a term generally used to describe a person's ability to effectively manage and respond to an emotional experience. People unconsciously use emotion regulation strategies to cope with difficult situations many times throughout each day. Another definition from psychology today, for example, will be emotion regulation, which talks about the ability to exert control over one's own emotional state. Stop right there. Your ability to exert control over yourself. Now, non-Christians or people who don't believe in the word or Jesus or the Holy Spirit might be like, yeah, I can control myself. I can control myself. Um, okay. If you can control yourself, that's fine. I mean, I'm not going to dispute that. And I'm not here to say that you can control yourself. I do believe that, you know, in our natural human state, in our minds, we have the ability to control ourselves to some extent. And then at some point when our emotions are running high and our mental state and capacity is really, really diminishing because your brain is honing in on an event or state, you need something greater to help you, help you control what you cannot control, okay? The impulses, how can you control the impulses on your own when it's overtaking you? And I'm not talking about even, you know, like drugs or anything like that because that's far-fetched for some of us. So let's look at your impulse to overeat or your impulse to overindulge or your impulse to shop and spend money and all that stuff. When, you know, that, that thing that you do impulsively, um, 
that is what we are talking about with this control situation. And then, of course, we have the big ones with alcohol and drugs and all that stuff where, you know, people can't really control and they need help doing that. So, so that's what I'm talking about is the Holy Spirit, really, when you embody the Holy Spirit, oh, it's amazing. And we're going to get into it. I am so excited about this episode. I think it was one of the easiest ones for me to write when it comes to the heart transformation process. And I don't know why it felt easy, but it did. And maybe because, you know, of the grace of God, um, he has graced this episode in a way because it applies mostly to my emotional state that I have really, really worked hard on to get under control with the help of the Holy Spirit. Because anger used to be my thing. Anger used to be my thing. And to this day, sometimes I'll say, don't poke the bear because there are things that he's still working out of me. Have you read Romans 7? We all have things that we are continuing to work on, okay? <laughs> so emotion regulation, it may involve behaviors such as rethinking a challenging situation to reduce the anger or anxiety, hiding visible signs of sadness or fear, or focusing on reasons to feel happy or calm. In my kitchen is an emotion wheel that I bought from Amazon. And I used to use it in helping my kids navigate and understand their emotions when they were younger, when they were toddlers. And um, I will share a pic of this in the newsletter. And side note to Kate, remember to take a picture and put it in the newsletter. <laughs> but... This emotion wheel is what we would use in therapy as well. Sometimes I would use it in therapy to help my clients pinpoint how they're feeling when they start uh, the therapy session and all that. So that is another way that people can, you know, look at emotion regulation is through what I described, which is behavior modification. Repression is another term that I want to talk about from psychology today or positive psychology, emotion regulation uh, emotional repression is all about avoiding emotional suffering, okay? That's all it is, is you're repressing it because you don't want to bring it up because when you bring it up, then you got to deal with it. It is a coping style or mechanism used to hide and push away negative emotions. Emotional repression can be thought of as a defense mechanism where people defend themselves from the negatives and focus instead on the positive aspects of who they are. It is great and it can help in the short term, but what is happening in the long term? You are banking all these emotions that you're not addressing and just one day, just one day, it all comes out. Or even before that one day, it comes out in different little tiny ways. And there's a, a, a an article that I'm going to share later on in this episode where you can't even reply to emails and you scroll your, your, your social media and then you subconsciously you're tired. And there's so many things going on within you. That's because you're suppressing something that you need to let out. Emotion regulation, emotion suppression, emotion navigation, they are real and they impact us in the subconscious and eventually they become conscious. And sometimes the non-conscious, we are not even, it's not even able, you, you can't even see it. And it's working in you and through you. Habits, behaviors, people who, you know, sometimes you're like, I don't know why I did that, or I'm procrastinating, or I am sleeping too much, laziness, or I don't know. It is something deep down within that's causing that. Interestingly, you know what? When you repress your emotions, it has negative consequences on you and a positive impact on the person or people around you. Think about that. In the short term, you know, it, it's, it's like other people are happy, but then you're suppressing what's inside you because, you know, you're making other people happy. You have people around you thinking you're okay, happy, content, etc. when truly you are not but the devil plays with your mind and makes you think you are a burden, a worry. And so you hold it all in. All the stuff you're feeling when a moment of feeling good about yourself could be only a phone call away. And that comes with, you know, talking to somebody and being vulnerable with a friend and all that stuff. And, you know, the enemy gets in your thoughts and all of a sudden you're feeling fear and all these emotions. So in a day, I know if I had Googled, that would have found it. 
the number of emotions and feelings and, um, you know, thoughts and things that runs through our mind. It's constant. If repression, if, if repression produces negative consequences in the long run, how about expressing your feelings? Expression will have a positive impact on you, but sometimes or most times it will have a negative impact in other people when you do not express it well or you express it in a way that causes more damage. So when you express your emotions, it can cause negative impact on others around you if you're not careful with your delivery. That is why Romans 7 and 8, we learn in episode 62 about the struggle between the flesh and the spirit of God. Expressing your emotion is healthy but must be done in a way that does not serve uh, uh, yourself in the way that is selfish. You know, kind of, you have to be careful. And also expressing it should not sever the relationship bonds and ties, but rather save the relationship bonds and ties. Let me say it again. Expressing your emotions in any type of relationship that you have must not sever the relationship. It shouldn't just kill it. It shouldn't just douse it. It shouldn't just, you know, that that expression, your expression of your emotions should not sever the relationship bonds and ties, but rather it should save the bonds and ties. Okay. So then now that we have seen how the natural approach to the natural nature of man can be, and when we express, suppress, and all that to our emotions, what that can be, regulating, navigating, repressing, suppressing emotions is a big deal. So what does God say about our emotional heart? Let's get into it. Dear sister, you and I have a gift, a gift that keeps on giving on our best days and on our worst days. We have a friend, the Holy Spirit of God, who walks and talks with us all the time. A moment of transparency here. Now, you all know we have this Wellspring Retreat coming up and Wellspring Life Retreat coming up and a lot of planning and preparation is going on in the background to make it happen for you as you're planning to join me and your dear sisters. So recently, as I sat down to get administrative work done, my soul felt unsettled. Immediately, I sensed some fear rising up in me about the retreat and my limp, which I have with the Lord, just like Jacob, is rejection. And suddenly from the fear came all these thoughts about the what ifs, okay? How many of you know these frenemies of ours? What ifs, but, and wonder or wonder, right? We use them all the time. What if, but I wonder, I wonder. they started to circulate in my mind. And of course, that fear was rising up in me and all that. I grabbed my phone and began searching and scrolling and just frantically going out of the spirit into my natural self to figure out what can be done and how can we salvage this and here and all that stuff. And just, just thinking about things that most likely will not happen. And I had gotten out of the spirit because God said I should focus on him and I should focus on the vision. And I've been doing that. But for a moment, when I veered off, the enemy snuck in. See how easy it is for us to fall into sin and also just, just move away from what we know. Immediately, I felt the Holy Spirit reining me back in, like, come back by reminding me of something he and I have been meditating on. And that is not complicating and stressing my thoughts on voices in my head that make me question and doubt who I am, my purpose, who God is, and so on. And these fear thoughts were definitely getting there. He brought to my memory Romans chapter 8, verse 1. And I felt this overwhelming and calming peace of his love and many other reminders of his promises about the retreat my heart was filled with joy again 
as I envisioned the countless women who are going to be in this house with us and who are going to be worshiping and just going through the process over a four day period of getting closer to him. My heart just filled with joy. And the antidote here was he had me reset my eyes on him, refocus on the vision of the retreat and just believe in what he has already showed me that I have seen in the house, even before all of us gather. And so my heart was joyful. And that is how I was able to manage and control that emotional state that I was in, which was fear of rejection. This is what the Holy Spirit of God in us does for us. In John chapter 14, 15 to 21, we get introduced again to the spirit. He has been around since creation, y'all. And through him, we experience all these benefits, which we call the fruits of the spirit. Love, joy, patience, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Galatians 5, 22 to 23. Some interpret these verses as being bestowed on the believer in increasing measure. One can look at it and it is by these fruits that God changes lives, period, okay? To bear the fruits of the spirit, you must have the spirit alive in you so that when you must love even when it is hard, your nurtured personality, your nurtured mind, your spirit-led self, your wellspring heart will be the one in control. Do you see this, dear sister? I don't know if I should park here or move on. But what I'm feeling in my spirit is a lot of you listening are probably wondering, well, it must be easy. No, it's not. That's why in episode 62, I talked about inviting the spirit back into your heart. The spirit-led life will make you feel like, gosh, uh, number one, I'm different. And number two, I'm not responding the way I used to. And number three, what is up with the way I am responding or even reacting to something that previously I would have been all up in it. Your wellspring heart will be the one in control when you invite the Holy Spirit into your heart. To be free and to experience true freedom, Jesus has set you and I free from the burdened yoke of slavery, which is the slavery to sin. When our hearts are clouded by sin, and it comes in different forms. We dim the spirit's light in us. Worry is one of those. We worry so much and it dims and grieves the Holy Spirit. We have all been called to be free in Galatians 5.13, but such freedom is not for earthly gains, but rather to serve one another in love. You see that? We cannot outrightly love the broken, the hurt, those whom you, maybe you have described as hard to love without the Holy Spirit. You can't. Someone who you have described as hard to love needs a love that is greater than what you can give. And that's the Holy Spirit's love flowing through you. So you see how important the Spirit is to our heart, our emotional heart, our emotional heart everything. Focusing on the emotional heart, the heart is meant to feel and the heart is also meant to heal. And I stated at this quote months, years ago, when I was reading Ezekiel chapter 26, there is no need to suppress our emotions as this leads to destruction and, you know, destructive behaviors and habits. And there is no need to express our emotions without, wait for it, self-control. <laughs> I have been waiting excitedly to say this one, fruit of the spirit. I think this is why some theologians out there believe that the fruits are given in increasing measure according to our spiritual maturity. Self-control is that one fruit that reminds us that if we are truly disciples of Jesus, we cannot be in control of our lives in the natural. 
And remember in episode 62, I gave that analogy of some of us have decided to take control of our lives and we are doing patchwork where we are taking a little bit from the horoscope, where we are taking a little bit from the Bible, where we are taking a little bit from the new age. And recently I heard about Ayahuasca, which is witchcraft. And some of us are taking a little bit from all these YouTube, you know, preachers and stuff like that, that do not put you back on track with the word and the Holy Spirit. And we are calling it, you know, being my own boss and being the CEO of my life and all that stuff. If you're going to be the CEO of your life, make sure that your chief operating officer is the Holy Spirit. <laughs> make sure that, you know, there is that operating system within there somewhere, okay? If you want to live a spirit-led life, then you must get ready to be nurtured, to bear the fruits of the spirit and embrace self-control. I, I feel like we're getting deeper, right? We're getting deeper, yes. Self-control is what helps us to hold our tongue, and not spill the tea or slander a friend or be messy just for the sake of it. And a few months ago, I had to really reckon with myself about that because I thought a friend of mine said something and I was talking to another friend and I was like, oh my God. And then later on, I was like, you know what, Kate, you have to rein it back in and forgive and repent and do all those things. Self-control is hard, y'all. It is hard work. And so self-control is what will help us hold our tongue and not spill the tea or slander a friend or be messy just for the sake of it. Self-control is what guides us to process our emotions with the Lord and to listen for when we ought to speak so that what we speak is seasoned with salt and not sass. Ooh, I love that one seasoned with salt and not sass. Self-control is what helps us regulate and navigate our emotions so we don't have to grab the cleaning mop and try to clean up our relational messes due to our inflamed egos. Mm -hmm. And I could go all into ego from a therapy standpoint and all that. Self-control can be the one tool skill that helps shed light on obedience versus disobedience and ultimately being far from sin and closer to holiness. Okay, I feel like I need to repeat the self-control portion again, just because it is something that runs through us and it should run through us. The Holy Spirit should be present and helping us with self-control. So here we go. Self-control is that one fruit that reminds us that even if we are messing up, pulling self-control in will help. It reminds us that if we are truly disciples of Jesus, we cannot control our own natural lives. We need to be nurtured. If you want to live a spirit-led life, then you must get ready to be nurtured to bear the good fruits of the Holy Spirit and embrace self-control, okay? Self-control is what helps us hold our tongue <laughs> and not spill the tea or slander a friend or be messy just for the sake of it. Self-control is what guides us to process our emotions with the Lord and to listen for when we ought to speak so that we speak in a way that is seasoned with salt and not sass. Self-control is what helps us to regulate, okay, and navigate our feelings so we don't have to grab the cleaning mop and try to clean up our relational messes due to our inflamed egos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Self-control can be the one tool and skill that helps shed light on obedience versus disobedience and ultimately being far from sin and closer to holiness. Yes, dear sister. Life by the Spirit protects us and helps us not to satisfy our sin nature 
which we all have. We all have sin nature. The spirit holds us to a higher standard of obedience where we obey a higher moral law, the word of God. This nurturing by the Holy Spirit is a beautiful experience, but we don't talk about it enough. We don't talk about sin enough and we don't talk about these things enough. And now it's my goal to talk about it. Self-control. There is two. So let me put it this way. So imagine there is this two-year-old who has tried all she can to do life all by herself. She wants to change her own diapers. She wants to feed herself. She wants to clothe herself. Basically, she wants to be her own boss. But naturally, she is not mature enough to do that. She is a toddler. She is still being nurtured by her parents. Who am I talking about? All of us, believers, followers, disciples, we fall short. We are still building on our faith and moving from milk to solid food. Truly, if we could only humble our hearts enough to say, I am only human and I need God's help every day. This will free our hearts to sit at the feet of Jesus and allow him to teach us how to live by the spirit. If toddlers cannot serve themselves, cannot feed themselves, cannot clothe themselves, then why are some of us trying to be our own bosses, naturally, spiritually, all that? If you are your own boss, yet you expect God's help, then what are you saying? What do you want? It is about time you stake your claim in the family of God and say, Lord, revive the Holy Spirit in me to teach me how to live by you. Wow. You see that response my daughter gave? I didn't feel like it. She is still a baby in spirit-led life and needs more nurturing and guidance. Eventually, I didn't feel like it will sound more like the spirit's spiritual discipline to hear what she, you know, the spirit is telling her and, she, you know, she will lean in and be able to speak what the spirit tells her to speak. And so eventually um, writing three chapters as a summary, she will know to not do that and to write each chapter individually because she doesn't want to take the shortcut, but she, she, she doesn't want to take the shortcut, which is the wider path, but she wants to take the narrow path, even if she encounters some, some, you know, some difficulties and all that and challenges, she knows there's a God that will help her. If you're writing three chapters in one summary, when you're supposed to write it in three individual summaries, you're taking a shortcut and you need to really think about it. So concerning the emotional heart and how it can be transformed then, if you don't want to take the wider path, but you want to take the narrow path, you need to focus on spirit-led self-control. The Holy Spirit is and should and must be your best friend, dear sister. I cannot tell you the number of times I've been rescued by him and the number of times that I have, you know, disobediently disregarded his counsel and what ensued as a result of that disobedience. So I want to highlight this best friend a bit, okay? if you will permit me. In John chapter 14, 25 to 26. Now, prior to these verses, Jesus had explained who the Holy Spirit is to his disciples and even informed them that those who love him, this is Jesus talking, will be loved by God. And all of us, all three in one, Jesus said, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Now that we know the conditions upon which the spirit will come to us, being obedient, okay, and loving and being loved by God. These are the conditions. Remember in a few episodes ago, I said, you know, the, the love that God has for all of us, all right, is universal and it will never change. But to work in God's kingdom, to be his child and to do the things that you're supposed to do and can do, there are some conditions. And this is some of it. If you're inviting the Holy Spirit within you, then you are denouncing sin. You're being obedient. You are striving to be who he's calling you to be. So knowing those conditions, here's what Jesus encourages our hearts when it comes to John 14, 25 to 26. He says, all this I have spoken while still with you. And now, dear sister, we know that 
Jesus is still with us because he said we in a previous uh, verse, right? And the Holy Spirit will dwell in us. Jesus said him, God, and the Holy Spirit will dwell in us so that we know that even today, you know, he walks with us because he said, and we will come and dwell in you. So Jesus is alive in us. Jesus is alive in, in us as much as we have the Holy Spirit and we know the Father. So in verse 25 of John 14, um, he says, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. You need not look far, dear sister. Do you know how powerful you are right now? You are transforming into the image of Christ. You have the Father, the Son, the Spirit dwelling in you, and they have come to make your heart dear home, dear sister. This means that you have the access. You have access because you agree with God. Okay. So then the Lord drew my attention back to Galatians 5, 25 to 26. And this is what you, you we, we will see here. So do you get it? John 14, 25 to 26. Galatians 5, 25 to 26. Let's see what's happening. So in John 14, 25 to 26, we are told of the Holy Spirit's job in our lives to counsel, to teach, to remind us of the truth, the way, the life, Jesus, and all he did and said. In Galatians 5, 25 to 26, it says, since we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit. And verse 26 says, let us not become conceited, provoking, envying each other. In both verse 25 of John 14 and Galatians 5, we are confirmed to have the spirit within us. And in verse 26 of John 14 and Galatians 5, we are now aware of the role of the Holy Spirit and what he can help us have dominion over sin, such as conceitedness, envy, and provoking others. Do you see this? John, in John 14, 25 to 26, we get introduced to the Holy Spirit. And then in Galatians 5, 25 to 26, literally, I'm not even trying to pair the numbers, but it's interesting how it's 25 to 26, 25 to 26 in both books where we experience what the Holy Spirit likes. First of all, in John, we, we learn about who the Holy Spirit is and what he's here to do. And then in Galatians, we learn about what we ought not do because the Holy Spirit will not live in us if we do. Wow. This connection between John 14 and Galatians 5 was revealed to me the morning after I wrote this episode and I was done, I was ready to record. And that's when God was like, oh, go back and read it. And as I was reading, he's like, you see that connection over there? So that was all a Holy Spirit moment that I'm still getting goosebumps as I talk about it. When you think about the Holy Spirit and you get to know him in John 14, remember Galatians 5. And in Galatians 5, it also talks about some of the things that goes against the Spirit. So the fruits of the Spirit and what goes against it. And then it talks about what it, did, what it does when we lead that Spirit-led life. I can talk about this all day because it's intriguing and it's exciting to me. And hopefully it is for you as well. Having self-control is different from practicing self-control. Should I repeat that? Having self-control is different from practicing self-control. It is not as easy said and done as we might think. It's not. You cannot reign over anger when you are pushed to the edge. You cannot pull yourself out of unwise decisions when you are on an emotional high. You need the one who doesn't condemn and bring on shame. He doesn't do that. This friend will remind you subtly what is important and of value to you. So here are the three ways to develop a spirit-led self-control. You ready? One, keep evil and sin far from your lips, far from your heart, far from your eyes. Galatians 5, 25 to 26 tells us how we can develop self-control. Since we live by the spirit, 
let us keep in step with the spirit. Being in step with someone is, it's coordinated. Have you seen like dancers and stuff? It's coordinated. You step, I step. You flow, I flow. Being in step with the spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying others. Because once we start to do that, we invite and sin it. And that means that we can't hear from the Holy Spirit. If you harbor a glimmer of any of these in your heart and mind, you cannot hear from the Holy Spirit. Thus, the fruit of self-control and others will fade in your heart. Do not be conceited, thinking too highly of yourself. Do not provoke, tempting and being a temptation to others. Do not envy, coveting and being jealous of what someone has or who someone is. These are the little foxes that spoil the vineyard of our hearts, and soon we are out of control with all sorts of feelings. Back to emotions. Two, pre-decide how you want the end to be. If you want to see joy at the end, then pre-decide in your mind that this is what you want and that you're ready to do everything and anything to behold that joy. If you find yourself rushing, hurrying, being impatient, slow down and check if you're still on track towards the end of what you had envisioned or you're off track. And three, to develop in self-control the spirit-led way. Quiet the noise around you and listen for the spirit's prompting in your heart. What he says will always align to the word. And in particular, it will bring a sense of peace and motivation, okay? Not condemnation and, and shame. So what the Holy Spirit says to you, it will always bring a sense of peace and motivation, not condemnation and shame. You may feel guilty to make things right, but never guilty to harm yourself or others. Ooh-wee. Yes. What else can I say about this part five? I think this is what the Lord wants you to hear. Regulate, navigate emotions with self-control. That's it. Even if your thoughts, when that fear creeps in, is asking you know, you have to ask the spirit to help you control your thoughts and to help you keep focus. Self-control is your number one tool to douse the flame of emotional tirade and roller coasters that we go through. In an article by blackdoctors.org, there is this list of 15 signs that you are just existing instead of living. And I found it interesting, so I want to share some with you. Some of the signs are procrastination, when you find yourself procrastinating, laziness, escapism, when you always want to escape what's, what's happening in the reality, feeling empty, constant boredom, and so on. Live, dear sister, live from the wellspring of your heart, of your life, okay, which is your heart. Live from the wellspring of your life, which is your heart. And it says that in Proverbs, Okay, I have spoken a lot about the emotional heart when it comes to this part five of Heart Transformation Series. And it is a joy for me to do this. And I pray that whoever watches it blesses your heart from part one to part five so far. It blesses your heart. Here are three words for you today as we have dived into self-control and the emotional heart. Regulate, self-control, and expression, okay? Three thoughts today are basically the same three thoughts to develop in self-control. Keep evil and sin far from your lips, your heart, and your eyes. Galatians 5, 25 to 26 tells us how we can develop self-control. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying others. If you harbor a glimmer of any of these in your heart and mind, you cannot bear the fruits of the Spirit, and thus self-control and others will fade from your heart. Do not be conceited, thinking too highly of yourself. Do not provoke, tempting others and being a temptation to others. And do not envy, coveting and being jealous of what someone else has or who someone else is. These are the little foxes that spoil the vineyard of our hearts. And soon we are out of control with all sorts of emotions. Okay. 
Thought number two, pre-decide how you want to end. How you want to end, how you want your end to be. If you want to see joy at the end, then pre-decide in your mind that this is what you want and what you are ready to do is everything you can to behold that joy. If you find yourself rushing, hurrying, and being impatient, slow down and check if you're still on track towards the end to, to, to see what you want to see, okay? Quiet the noise around you and listen for the Spirit's prompting in your heart. Thought number three, what he says will always align to the word and in particular, it will bring a sense of peace and motivation, not condemnation and shame. You may feel guilty to make things right, but never feeling guilty to harm yourself and others. That's from the devil. Three actions for you today. Remember our upcoming retreat, dear sister, January 18th through the 21st, 2024, and the registrations are filling up, and that encourages my heart, and at the same time, pressure, right? <laughs> But when the vision is bigger than you, you know who you've got to lean on, right? Also, I want you to follow us on our social platforms and I want you to share the message. Invite a sister and a friend to listen to our podcast and pass it on. Check us out on godlywomanandcompany.org regarding what we do and what this ministry is building up to be. Here are some healing heart habits actions you can reflect on in your journal today. Number one, how am I doing with self-control? Think back to when you were in an emotional state, what did you do? When my emotions run high, how am I managing the process? Repression, expressing, regulating with the Holy Spirit or not? Question number three, what is my biggest emotional baggage, natural tendency that I need to turn over to Jesus? And action number three, pray, dear sister, pray in all things, pray in all seasons. Big prayers, little prayers, sleepy prayers, whatever prayers they are, pray. And yes, I do have sleepy prayers too sometimes. <laughs> and that's it, part five of um, the Heart Transformation series. It is always a great time walking in my purpose of teaching and building others up in the ways of God. I have tasted it and I know in my heart, this is where peace and joy reside. So living free is every day the godly decisions that frees your heart and mind, feeds your heart and mind and focuses your heart and mind. My heart is always full every time I sit down to do this. Sometimes when I'm scripting the podcast episode, I'm tired, I'm sleepy, I'm kind of like, uh, but once I get in the flow, the Holy Spirit is right there to kind of guide me through it. And so I'm so happy that I get to walk in my purpose to help heal, to help transform and to help you live joyfully free and walk in your purpose as well. There is work to be done to transform hearts around the world. And thank you for passing this message on and sharing. It is one heartbeat at a time. So let's choose to be free. Let's choose to live free. Let's choose to stay free. Being faithfully renewed, encouraged, exceptional women and men of 